Hebrews chapter 6 this morning, and uh, going to preach a little bit different, <clears throat> not different, but different style, I guess you could say. Um, the book of Hebrews is one of my favorite New Testament books, and one of the reasons is it, it, it brings light, if you would, or it, it um, shows the, the, the connection uh, between the Old Testament uh, uh, sacrific sacrificial system, the Old Testament uh, priesthood, and the fulfillment of all that in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I, love, I love the Old Testament. I love the types and shadows and pictures. But I love seeing the New Testament where the Bible teaches us what those things meant and what they stood for. And this morning, uh, we're going to look in Hebrews chapter 6. And we're going to read this first. And then in, in a little bit, we'll go back to Joshua 20. And what we're reading about Hebrews 6 is, is explaining or elaborating to us uh, the fulfillment that Jesus is the fulfillment. And by the way, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He is the fulfillment of it all. And in verse number um, 15, um, the Bible says this, So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise for men, verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto us the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Father, I pray you'd help me this morning. You know my limitations, Lord. You know my weaknesses, and I pray, oh God, that you might help me. Lord, I know there's someone here that needs to hear this, or you wouldn't have laid it upon my heart. And I just pray that, Lord, as I preach, that the words on these pages would come alive and, Lord, they would pierce our hearts and our minds. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to have an attitude or a spirit of thanksgiving and gratitude, Lord, for all that you've done for us. And, Lord, like the song says, they just sung, I owe it all to you, Lord. I owe everything I have, everything I am, and everything I ever hope to be is all, I owe it all to you. And I pray you'd help me to worship you and glorify you through the preaching of thy word. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now in verse number 16, or verse number 18 of chapter number 6, the Bible says, chapter number 6, verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. If you underline your Bible and some, uh, every time I say that, I think about Miss Mabel. She's in heaven now. She didn't believe in underline. And I'd say that and she'd say, I, I mean, I, I, no, I don't underline. But anyhow, if you do underline your Bible, I wish you'd underline that word refuge. Refuge in verse 18. He says, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. And if the Lord will help me for a moment this morning, I want to preach on Jesus Christ, our refuge. Our refuge. 
Now, again, this was written, the, the title says Hebrews. Uh, it was written to the Hebrew Christians that were scattered abroad, scattered around uh, because of persecution. And when you read that word refuge, it may not have uh, any uh, real meaning to you, but when, when the apostle wrote this, of course, under inspiration of the Spirit of God, when he said refuge, every one of them knew exactly what he was talking about. He said, who have fled for refuge. And for the Hebrew reader that was reading this, they understood immediately what he was talking about and what he was referencing. Under the Old Testament, God in Numbers 35 had told Moses to tell them that once they got into Canaan's land, they were to set up cities of refuge. And these places uh, would be a refuge or a haven or a safe place. You know, now all these Liberals, you got everybody's got to have a safe place, you know. But but this was for people that really needed a safe place, and and what it was for was for if a man or a woman were to accidentally kill another man or woman, whether it be in a work at a work environment, if they were on a roof, maybe, and uh, you ever work with somebody like that, you got to keep one eye on them and one eye on the job all the time. You know what I'm talking about? You know they got a nail gun. You watch them like I mean, you watch them close. And, uh, and you're on a roof, and you're roofing, and he's roofing, and, and all of a sudden you grab a two-by-four or, or maybe a, 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 a stack of shingles, and you go, and he says, hand me them shingles, and you throw them to him, but you throw them a little too hard, and they hit him, and he falls off the roof, and he dies. That refuge was so you could get there before his, for, for, before his brother got to you. It was a place uh, that for the person that unknowingly or un, un, unwittingly slayed or killed another person and they could go there and, and they could grant, find entrance there and they could find refuge there from the avenger of their blood. Now, uh, now listen to this. Everyone in here that was born, and I believe you all been born, uh, was born a sinner. Uh, in sin, your mother, you were born a sinner. You've got a sin nature. Now, let me help you with this. It's not your fault you were born a sinner. That's not your fault. That goes back to Adam. Everybody understand that? And in this city of refuge, now, y'all working, listen, because I'm working at preaching. If we can all do that, we'll all be fine. Well, we just go home. I don't care if it's a football game at 12 o'clock. But I'd like to preach on Jesus Christ, our refuge. Somebody asked me, hey, them kids by you. What bothers me is adults who act like kids. Every time somebody burps or something, everybody got look around. Just listen to me, please, while I'm trying to preach. They don't bother me at all. I'm telling you, a bomb could go off, and I just keep preaching. I'm, I mean, I've seen it all. I've seen people go to sleep. I've seen people eat. I've seen people take naps. I've seen people, I mean, plug their ears. While I've seen it all, so they don't bother me. So y'all focus, too. If I can get over it, so can you. But here in Hebrews 6, he's telling them that Jesus Christ is our refuge. We don't run to a place on earth, and we don't run to a building. We don't run to a denomination. We don't run uh, to a baptistry. We don't run to a communion table. We don't run uh, uh, to a church building for our refuge, but we go to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is our refuge. 
Jesus is our refuge. I'm telling you this morning, I'm not hiding under my title as preacher. I'm not hiding under my title as pastor. I'm not hiding under my membership of Unity Baptist Church, but I'm hiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our refuge. Amen. And Paul said, uh, we have fled for refuge and we have found refuge and we live in the refuge provided by Jesus Christ. Now look right here. Now we're going to go back in just a second, but I want to show you this. In Hebrews 6 and verse 18, we see this refuge. Listen, that we see there is an, an exclusive place. He said in verse 18, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. You notice that? That's singular. He didn't say a hope, but he said the hope. He says this is not one now in the Old Testament. There were six primary, and I'm going to talk about it here in just a little bit. But And then there were uh, each six of those cities had suburbs, uh, 42 suburbs attached to each one of them cities. And the Levites, they occupied these cities of refuge in the suburbs, and they had pastures for their cow. Anyway, long story short, there was 48 total. And so they had three on the east side of the Jordan River. They had three on the west side. They had, I mean, listen, you, uh, they were scattered all around. And there's a reason for that. I'll say it here in just a minute. But what Paul is saying is there's not six, there's not eight, there's not 48. There's just one place of refuge for the child. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is not one of many saviors. He's the one and only savior. Jesus is not one of many ways. He is the only way. He said in John 14, 6, I am. I am the way, the truth, the life. In John uh, chapter 6, he said, I am the bread uh, come down from heaven. In John 10, 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. In John 10, 7, he said, I am the door. In John 11, 25, he said, I am the resurrection life. Uh, and listen, in John 9, 5, he says, I am the light of the world. He says, the refuge, the hope. There is only one place you can be saved this morning, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's him. There are people looking for salvation in other places. They're fleeing for refuge. They're trying to find refuge in religion and find refuge in church membership and religion and in baptism and all these things. They, they try to find refuge in being a good neighbor or being a good person or, or being a good employee or being a good mom or a good dad or being a good son or a good daughter. I want you to know there is only one place. Uh, it's an exclusive place, the Lord Jesus. He's the only one. But then he says, who have fled... There's an earnest pursuit. Flee, that word fled there. I'm not going to get into all the verbs and all that stuff, but it, it implies intense pursuit. It means for a person to run. In fact, they use that for, a, for a, like a sprinter in the Olympics when they were running. Uh, they were giving it all. You know, we're over there in 1 Corinthians 9 where Paul says, they that run, run all. That's the same word that's used here for fled. He's talking about this man who's facing death, who's under condemnation, who's about to die, and he's running with everything he's got. He's fleeing. He's, he's pursuing. He's going after. I mean, listen, uh, Jesus never has, uh, nor will he ever save an unwilling sinner. And this morning, if you're lost in this room, what you need to do, you need to flee to Christ instead of fleeing from Christ. 
He said they fled for refuge. They, uh, to whom they have fled uh, for refuge. And can you remember in your life uh, when you were running for your life, uh, you were running from the, you were running from death, uh, you were running from judgment, you were running uh, from condemnation, and the Spirit of God and the Word of God uh, was convicting your heart and working on your heart, and you were running and trying to find the Lord. Amen. I, I remember that in my life. I, I can remember that pursuit. Uh, uh, that hunger and that longing, uh, that thirst and that yearning, uh, that desire uh, to be born again. Uh, there's no such thing as irresistible grace. The Lord Jesus Christ does not force you to be safe. He does not manipulate you to be safe. He does not lock you up and arrest you and make you get safe. Uh, he'll call you. He'll draw you. He'll woo you. He'll, 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 he'll uh, 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 invite you, but he will not force you. Amen. He said it fled for refuge if I hold upon the hope set before us. He said that we might have a strong consolation. So again, here in Hebrews 6, we see this refuge here. It implies an exclusive place. And oh, listen, aren't you thankful that you weren't taught that Buddha was the answer, that Muhammad, think about Islam, fastest growing religion in the world. It spread like wildfire in prisons. and inter- I mean, they're, they're telling them that they can find refuge in the teachings of Muhammad. They're telling them they can find refuge uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Quran. They're telling them they can find refuge in the works of, of I- Islamic religion. And they're not finding refuge. Uh, instead, they're finding something worse than they had before. Uh, but there is a place, thank God, there is a person. Uh, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an exclusive place. There's an earnest pursuit. You're hearing your loss this morning. I encourage you to flee for refuge. We're telling people now they can just get saved. Don't have to, you know, no repentance. No, no, but, but by saying that, that we fled for refuge, Brother um, Tacker, I'm not, a, I'm not no uh, expert on anything, but I can do two plus two is four. I can, I can deduct this, that if they're fleeing for something, they're also fleeing from something. Amen. <laughs> We, we fled for refuge, but we fled from something else, amen. And listen, you'll never get saved until you get tired of your life, until you get tired of your lifestyle, until you get sick of sin, Do you get to the place where you say, I don't want this anymore, I don't need this anymore, I don't desire this anymore, and, they, and then you flee for refuge. But there's an eternal peace or everlasting peace. He says, strong consolation, Amen. These people, once they got in, they were safe. Amen. And there is not just consolation, uh, but there is a strong consolation. You say, what is that consolation? He does, I could preach this whole chapter. I probably all been doing that to start with, but I thought I'd try something different. It ain't going too good, but I'm going to do the best good. But Drew, there's two things that gives us consolation. It's the promises of God. Amen. He talks about the promises of God, about God uh, willing to show the heirs of promise. He's talking about the promise. Aren't you glad for the promises of God? Uh, listen, if you go out at night and you look at the sky, have you ever seen all the stars? in the sky and it's beautiful uh, when we first moved here I never knew there was that many stars in the sky I'd never lived this far in the country as that and I'm talking about I, I remember the first night we was here I was scared to death I'm talking about I was I mean really I was like man I'm married you know how it is I messed up this ain't good but it's too late now I don't know what and I'm standing out there and uh 
And uh, I was just praying and looking at them stars. And the Lord's my witness. I seen the biggest shooting star. Now, I don't believe in sign, but it was one of them things. I said, the Lord's got this. Amen. The Lord's got this. But think about this. If you think about the sky and all the stars uh, that, 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 that dot the sky, I want you to think about this. There's more promises that dot the pages of the Word of God. Amen. And more beautiful than the stars in the sky are the promises of God on the Bible. Amen. There's promises, promises. That's where my consolation is this morning. It's not in my feelings. It's not in my emotion. It's not in my experience, but it's in the promises of God. Amen. It's in the fact that he said, he that cometh to me, how in no wise cast out. Amen. It's in, he said, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. That's where my consolation is. Amen. It's in whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. That's my consolation. And this morning, uh, we've got the promises of God. You watch these uh, butterflies in the in the uh, spring. You ever seen a butterfly? And they go from flower to flower. You know what they're doing? They're drawing out the sweetness of those flowers. And you know what we're doing? We're just going from promise to promise. From promise to promise. And drawing. And by the way, people have been drawing from these promises for thousands of years. But they're still sweet. Amen. And they still give us strength and give us hope. He said we've got a strong consolation because the promise of God. But he talks about the person of God. He says this like God. He said he swore by himself. He says, uh, and, and, and that name not make much to you, but the only way you can make an oath is that you had to swear by someone greater than you. And there was nobody greater that God could swear by to Abraham, so he swore by himself. And what he was saying is, he was saying this. He was saying, I'm going to keep what I've told you. I'm going to do what I said I'll do. I'm gonna, he made an oath with Abraham. And by the way, if you're saved, God made an oath with you. Amen. And he made an oath by himself. And what that means is, and by the way, he said by two immutable things in which it was possible for God to lie. Immutable means unchanging. Did you know? Did you know the mountains, they're always changing? Did you know the earth's always changing? Do you know them stars I talked about? They're fading and shifting and moving. But there's something that's not changing. That is God himself. He said he swore by himself. What that means is, if you're saved this morning, I'm going to put it down here and just plain, uh, just, uh, I mean, just so everybody can understand. I'm going to put it down here, Drew, where everybody can understand what I'm saying is that God swore by himself and what he was saying is if this don't come to pass, then I'll stop being God. And if this does not happen, then I'll cease to be who I am. He swore by his own person. And listen, I find refuge in that, don't you? In order for me to go to hell, God would have to stop being God and God never will stop being God. He's always been God. He always will be God. And I find rest in that. I find rest in that. I want you to look back to Joshua 20 though. What he was writing about is what we read about in Joshua chapter 20. If you can find your place there quickly. Joshua chapter number 20 now they've, in, they've entered in. They've occupied for the most part, not all but most of the promised land. And now Joshua and his people are establishing and setting up these cities of refuge. Verse number one, the Lord also spake unto Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out for you cities of refuge, whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses. 
whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses. When we talk about Christ, our refuge in these cities, I want to say, first of all, I want to talk about the appointment of these cities. Now, this was not Moses' idea. This was not the Levites' idea. This was not Aaron's idea. This was not the congregation's idea. This was not the, 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 the Reubenites or the Gadites or the Manassehites or any of the other eyes. This was not their idea. These cities, follow me now, were appointed by God. Uh, God said when you get there, uh, when, you, uh, uh, when you dwell there, he says there's going to be a need. Uh, there's going to be a need for some cities of refuge. Uh, there's going to be some situations that come up uh, that have not yet come up. Uh, there's going to be some problems. There's going to be some trouble. Uh, there's going to be some people that die. And there's going to be some people that need refuge. And he said, when you get there, set it up. Uh, uh, set it up. He said, it's going to be needed. It's not needed right now, but it will be needed one day. You say, what are you trying to say? I want to say this. A uh, Calvary, a uh, Calvary had already happened in the mind of God long before Jesus ever died on that cross. The Calvary is the appointed place appointed by God. When God made the earth, I believe this with all my heart, when he molded this earth, when he carved out the earth, I believe when he made that hill outside Jerusalem, I believe God knew that that would be the hill where his son, where his only begotten son would die for us. And he told him here, Joshua said, uh, Joshua told him, he said, I want you to set up some places. In verse number uh, two, he says, speak to the children of Israel, uh, saying, appoint out for you uh, cities of refuge whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses. Amen. This was an idea conceived in the mind of God. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor or who hath first given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him again. I'm saying this, these cities of refuge were appointed by God. They didn't need them when he told them about it, but they was going to need them one day. And I want you to know before you and I ever were in the mind of God, God had made an appointment, a provision if you would. God had made a way so that we could be saved, so that we could have everlasting life. So before man had ever sinned, God had already made provision for their sin. Huh. God saw a future need and he moved before man ever needed it. <laughs> Salvation did not, it was not put in motion in the Garden of Eden. According to 1 Peter 1.20, that Jesus was a lamb foreordained before the foundation of the earth. According to Revelations 5, he was a lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. Peter said in Acts 2, when he was preaching at Pentecost, he says, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified Him. I'm just trying to tell you, God told Moses, Moses, when you get to Canaan's land, there's going to be some people that do some things they don't mean to do. They're going to hurt some people. They're going to kill some people. And they're going to need somewhere to go to find refuge. And when you get there, he said, I want you to set it up. I want you to 
uh, build these cities so they can have somewhere to go. Amen. And listen, 2,000 years ago, uh, thank the Lord Jesus, uh, built a refuge for us so we can find refuge in him. Amen. Appointment of these cities. Then in verse number two or three, that the slayer that killeth any person unawares and unwillingly may flee thither. They shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. So I said the appointment, I want you to see the appropriation of these cities. These cities were not built to be uh, landmarks. They were not built to be a, uh, uh, you understand, they're not like some, uh, they weren't building these cities to be a, 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 a sightseeing place or somewhere just to admire and look at. There was a need, there was, a, uh, there was an appropriation of this. What I mean to say is, he says that the slayer, that the slayer, the manslayer uh, may flee thither, that the man, that he might escape that, uh, that avenger of blood. If you were to kill somebody on accident, if you were, then their, their next of kin, their oldest brother or their father, or whoever they can find you and they can kill you and be justified in killing you and from the moment uh, that accident happened the person they had to try to find somewhere they could hide the demand for these cities the demand listen to me this morning if you're lost you need a place to go you need a place to hide Oh, there in John 6 and verse 66, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. And I don't believe it's a coincidence that it's John 6, 66, 666, the number of man. It said, and from that time, many of his disciples, many of his disciples returned from following him and followed him no more. And then John 6, 67, Jesus said, will you also go away? And Peter looked at Jesus and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? To to whom shall we go? Oh, he said what Peter was saying is, Lord, hey, we've got nowhere else to run. Oh, we've got nowhere else to hide. Hey, you're the only one we have. And I'm telling you this morning, I thank the Lord for the city of refuge. I thank God for a place where we can hide. Yeah. But the man, I think about this in verse 3. He says that the slayer that killeth any person unawares and unwilling may flee thither. They shall be a refuge from the blood. In verse 4, when, that, when he that doth flee unto those cities shall stand at the entering of the gate of the city. He mentions this gate or a door. There was a door outside the walls of this city. They would keep watch over that door day and night. There would be people, the Levites, it was their responsibility to stand watch. They'd stand upon the wall. And by the way, the doors were always open. You could always go in. They didn't shut. They were like Waffle House, 24 says, always open. I was so excited about us getting a huddle house and then come to find out they're only open like 10 hours a day. But anyway, but uh, it, and by, and that food tastes so much better like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning after you've been coon hunting all night. Then, but, but they said that, they, that if you wanted to get in, you had to meet at the gate or at the door of the city. And there were some things that had to happen. Listen, I'm going to give you this. In order for them <coughs> to get in, there were some steps that had to be taken. There were some moves that had to be made. The first thing is they had to come to the city. I mean, listen, that refuge could not do them any good wherever they were. 
They could not stay where they were. They had to come to where that refuge was, and they had to come. They had to flee. They had to. I want, and listen to me this morning. If you want to be saved, you've got to. You've got to look for it. You've got to long for it. You've got to. Uh, you've got to run to it. He said they got to come. Now think about this. Can you imagine? Let's say you were involved in an accident. Maybe you was out plowing, and one of your ox got loose and trampled this fella. Poor fella died, and you and you realize this this. I, I, from that second on, you was you was fair game. And all of a sudden, you take off running, and somebody hollers, said, hey, slow down, you're running too fast. Do you think, would you slow down? I wouldn't. Well, somebody said, hey, won't you take a break? You've been running long enough. Come over here. I got some food. I've got some water. You can take a break. Well, somebody said, hey, take a nap. Or well, somebody said, hey, we're playing basketball. Won't you come play? I mean, from that moment on, you wouldn't think about anything else but getting inside that city. And yet here we see people on their way to hell, and they're just, they're, they're, they're just, they're just lollygagging through life. I mean, listen, if you're lost this morning, you don't have time to play games. You don't have time to mess around. You better run while you can run. They had to come, but they had to cry. Verse 4, it said they had to stand at the entry and they had to cry out to the keeper of the door. They had to cry out for refuge. Amen. They had to cry out and say, refuge, refuge, refuge. I mean, can you imagine the fear in their heart? They looked over their shoulder and they could hear them come and they could, they could see the dust on the horizon. Uh, listen, as the avenger of the blood was on their uh, trail and they, they beat upon the door and said, refuge, refuge. They didn't just stand outside the door and stare at the door. They had to cry out and ask for entrance into the city. And listen to me this morning. That's how I got saved. Don't know how you got it, but I got it. How about coming to Jesus? Amen. And crying out saying, save me, save me, save me. I'm on my way to hell. I need saving. Amen. They had to cry, but they had to confess. It said in verse 4, they had to tell them their cause. The cause. They had to declare their cause. What that means is they had to tell the elders what they had done. And by the way, you can't get saved without confession. Amen. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. Amen. With the mouth, confession is made. Amen. If we confess our sins, this person had to stand outside the gate. And by the way, it was public too. It was public. It was in the eyes of everybody there. And they had to look up and say, I've done something I shouldn't have done. It was an accident. I didn't mean to. I didn't know that hammer. I didn't know the head of that hammer was loose. I, I didn't know. I didn't know that that ox that I had. I didn't know he was going to uh, he was going to gore that man and kill him. I didn't know. I didn't see him. I didn't see him when I when I come out. When I I didn't see it. I didn't understand. And they had to explain. They had to confess what had happened. You got people wanting to get saved by just coming and nodding their head, signing a card, and, and repeating a prayer. I want you to know that ain't Bible salvation. Yeah. Amen. You want, and listen to me. I don't believe in beating people over their head and humiliating people and doing all that. And I don't believe nobody, nobody you confess your sin to the Lord Jesus Christ. But this business of just getting saved to be a ticket out of hell, and I just don't, I just don't want, but I'm not, that's not why, you can't get saved that way. You must confess your sin. You must repent of your sin. And they had to get before the city, before the gate and say, I've made a great mistake. Amen. 
You'll never get saved until you get lost. Amen. You got to admit your call. You got to admit, you got to admit what you've done. You can't just come to the Lord and say, all have sinned, all have sinned, all have sinned. You have to come to the Lord and say, I have sinned, I have sinned, I have sinned. When you get saved, it's not, uh, it's not that uh, Jesus died for all sins. Jesus died for my sins. That's what repentance and confession is. And they had to stand before the gate and say, I've done wrong. I've messed up. I've made a mistake. I'm sorry. But will you please let me come inside? Do you remember the day, the morning, the night, or the hour when you bowed your knees and you lifted your eyes to heaven and said, Lord, I've made a mistake, but I don't want to die out here. I don't want to die out here. I don't want the avenger of the blood to get a hold of me. I don't want to die in his hands. Have mercy on me for what I've done. They had to cry. They had to confess. In verse 6, they had to dwell. They had to continue. He says that he shall dwell in that city. Now get this, everything they needed was inside that city. Food, shelter. But they would draw a circle. There was a line surrounding that city. Y'all remember when you were kids playing hide and go seek and you had base? Y'all remember that? <laughs> we, we, you, you know, you could draw, get chalked and draw it on the parking lot or we didn't have fancy stuff like that, so we'd we'd make like get you know I'd put a basketball and a football and like if you got inside that's and man can you remember when you was running and your big brother or your or your big brother's big buddy was chasing after you and you was just trying to get inside and you finally you crossed that line you remember that relief that that gave you that's what this is talking about they drew some boundaries and said hey as long as you stay inside of here you're safe. If you get out of here, you're in danger. You, you can die. If you get out of here, you, you're going to suffer. If you get out of here, you're going to lose the protection. You're going to lose the, you say, are you teaching losing? No, 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 I'm not teaching losing salvation. But I am telling this, you can get saved. And then if you get saved, you better continue. You better dwell. You better remain. You better be faithful. You better abide. Why? Because there's danger for you. If you don't, you may not lose your soul, but you can lose your life. Amen. I know y'all, I mean, I guess y'all think I didn't go on Pentecost or something, but I ain't, I might. And I'm, I'm just kidding, I ain't doing it. But I feel like talking in tongues a little bit this morning, but I, I feel like the Lord's helped me have divine restraint. But the truth is, Drew, that there's some lines drawn, and the best thing for us to do is stay inside the city. The best thing, we must abide in Christ, amen? Yeah. That's what Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. That's the best life we can have. If we refuse to abide, then we're going to suffer in our lives. So, the appropriation, <coughs> verse 6, <coughs> talked about the demand, the door. Now look at this, the deliverance from the city. He shall dwell in that city until he stand before the congregation for judgment unto the death of the high priest that shall be in those days. Then shall the slayer return and come unto his own city, unto his own house under the city from whence he fled. Here is, I'm going to be done. I got more, but I'm, I'm going to be done. They had to stay there, Drew. They had to remain there. They had to dwell there. They had to abide there. He said, until the high priest died. And he said that when the high priest died, when the high priest died, 
Then they could go home. They could go back to where they was from. They could go see those people. They, had, they could return. They, could be, they would be set free. They didn't have to worry no more about the avenger of blood. They didn't, <coughs> they didn't have to worry about that, that what had happened. It had been paid for. And, it, and if you think about it, really, the death of one gave life to another. You say, Brother Mark, what do you mean? Well, just think about this. Let's say something happened. You was at work. You was out in the field, farming, whatever it was. And you had, there was an accident. And your friend, your coworker, whoever was killed. You couldn't go and tell wife and kids and mom and dad. You, could, you didn't have time to go pack your bags and make a farewell. You better not or you wouldn't get very far. You had to drop everything and run and run. And can you imagine that happened and you didn't go get to see your mom and dad. You didn't go get to see your wife or your, or your husband. You didn't get to go see your children. You didn't get to go see your neighbor. You had to run and, and, and they all, what happened? And they said, well, and they said, he's gone. He's gone. And you had to go live in this city now. And now granted, it's better. It's, it's good. I'm not, I'm not implying this is, a, this is a wonderful thing. But at the same time, don't you know that those people that had fled for refuge after a couple of weeks and months, maybe a year or two, they got to missing mom. They got to missing dad. They got to missing their brothers and sisters and their, and their children. Don't you know they probably wondered, I wonder how my little boy's doing. I wonder how my little girl's doing. And then, then all of a sudden one day somebody would come up to them and say, well, I've got back. Bad news and I've got good news. And they said, well, what, what's the bad news? And they said, the high priest died. And they said, well, what's the good news? And they'd say, well, you can go home. You can go home. Amen. Oh, and listen to me. I want you to know the cross is bad news. Uh, Jesus had to die. I mean, Jesus died, and that's bad news. To me, it's bad. Maybe you're glad he did. I'm not glad he did. Uh, but because he died, uh, we have been set free. And they come home, Brother Tacker, and that daddy looked at that big old boy. When he left, he was a little bitty old feller. And he looked at him and said, boy, I don't even remember. And they hugged each other. And mom was there waiting on him, and she fixed some biscuits and gravy, you know, and bacon. And they, and, they, and they had this big meal, and they all got together. And the daddy looked at him and said, the only reason I'm here is because he died. And I want you to know this morning, the only reason we're here, the only reason I'm here, the only reason uh, there's any uh, refuge at all for anyone is because 2,000 years ago, not a high priest, but the great high priest, Jesus Christ, our forerunner, uh, died on the cross so that we could have freedom. Yeah. 